Welcome back to our second episode of The Supplemental. Hi, Mr. Veltkamp. Hi, Mrs. Gordon. I'm so excited that my voice just got off in a weird way. I just said, <laughs> Mrs. Gordon. We weren't ready for it. No, I was drinking a little bit of water and then I turned towards you and you started talking because I didn't notice That's our signal life. to go. You have to expect the unexpected. That Welcome is Welcome to argumentation and American ideology. It's true. You do need to expect the unexpected because we switch from things quickly to mm-hmm. other eras just as, not as quickly as they switched in real time yeah um but we expect uh to be able to do that switching so what are we switching to this week well we're in our time machine we're going to go into the colonial era oh the enlightenment very yes. good yeah which is i think that's one thing i always start with is talking about we think of it or we call it the colonial era when we talk about it but it, i always start with that this is a product of the enlightenment like there's a bigger global thing happening with the way we think about ourselves and the world and what's important. Um, Not only the American Revolution, but the French Revolution and all that brings, right? Yeah. The destruction of churches and all of that and, you know, reusing them um, because reason is reigning. Yes, reason is. And that affects art, that affects Mm -hmm. literature, that affects, like you said, the culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of our writings that we read sort of in that are obviously a product of that. I'm really into it because I I think the way I grew up, I was surrounded by a lot of scientists and a lot of doctors and things like that. So for me, every time I go to the, the Enlightenment colonial art, it feels like, yes, like, okay, a lot of this makes sense, which is always funny to me. Like, ah, yeah, that's the point, right? Like, yeah, it makes sense. It's interesting the the hold that the colonial era, wow, the colonial era still has on our sort of cultural conscious conscious yes even as we as we've moved on into new eras Um, and i think about sort of the the way that we form relationships Mm -hmm. especially online relationships Mm -hmm. um we as humans of course being made in the image of the triune god are communal beings as he is being triune inherently communal and yet with our relationships online we still have a standoffishness that's inherent to it, but also is, a, I think, a product of the ideas of the colonial era. Yeah. One thing that then I think I have as a question is what do we do with an era that is so big on both reason and community? And yet, like you were just saying, some of the disconnects that we feel and see as a result of that, because we are so connected, we are, right, everything comes from being able to rationalize and think through our capabilities and our capacities, um, even as we're, you're, you know, part of a community online and working through and you have these big literal social networks. Uh, what does that mean? And what have we done with ourselves? What have we done? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, with in this might date when we're making this original episode, but with the pandemic, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, those were the only relationships you were mm-hmm. able to have. And there was this rationalization of, well, this is, you know, the only thing I'm able to do, which was rational. It was the pragmatic, mm-hmm. which that dips a little bit into the realist, but the pragmatic choice to make. But at the same time, we realized and we felt that it wasn't the same as human in-person relationship. What's interesting to me that I just thought of is this time has been for a lot of people a time of self-improvement we are going to finally use this time to grow a garden start my sourdough um especially the beginning of the pandemic versus the end when everyone's like i don't know what's getting dressed in the morning it doesn't matter right? right but i think that is an interesting thing of when we have that what can we do to improve ourselves and we're going to learn things and that rise of people who took on new hobbies or or talents and guitar and what and sea shanties right yeah. Everything along those lines. I'm just I'm just curious, what was sort of your pandemic hobby or improvement that you delved into? I worked the whole time. 
<laughs> we are teachers. The teaching yeah. did not stop. It was a lot of work. Yes. Um, I know I purchased a number of pieces of workout equipment and they are still in the box. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. One thing I did do is uh, Kelly Van Adams, Van Adam and I started running once we could like, you know, come out of our house a little bit more, which yeah. was a community element in there that we both like to run anyway. But every week we would go run together and sometimes we ran with masks and then we didn't. And then it was interesting because we, I guess we were self-improvement, but it's also community. Yeah. And that, that self-improvement obviously ties into sort of Benjamin Franklin's autobiography, mm -hmm. or at least the section that we read out of it. He lists um, these sort of virtues that he sees as important for all humans to have. And he makes a schedule where he's going to be focusing on each individual virtue, virtue for a specific amount of time. And so with that, he focuses on those things that we as humans, when we're, you know, three in the morning, can't fall asleep and we're thinking, I'm going to turn my life around. But he actually went and tried to do it. Yeah. So with that, we, we might think that the best thing we as humans can do is constantly try to improve through the rationalization of, I desire to be this way. I have these methods to reach there. Obviously, I can be this way by just putting in enough work or putting in enough thought uh, into it. So I think my problem that you're reminding me of now is that, it's my confession, mm. when things are out of my control and when I feel like I'm not doing things well or something is happening, my instinct is let me schedule it out. Let me see what I can work on to be better. And it becomes a compartmentalization of what I know rationally. I don't want to feel sad or I don't want to feel tired. And so I make myself a schedule that I can meet out in this time, I can do this thing, or I can get strong, or I can work out here and do whatever at this moment, um, which I'm realizing might be a problem now that I think about it. it. It probably is a problem, and I'm not saying you have a problem. I think it's a problem that a lot of us have with those sort of out of control, wanting to get things under control. And it's a matter, I think, also of realizing that things aren't so easily fixable that if I just dedicate X amount of time to it, it inherently will be fixed. Or if I find X solution to it, it inherently will be fixed. When I started taking medication for my depression and anxiety, I thought to myself, you know, I'm doing the thing you're supposed to do. When I started going to therapy, I thought I'm doing the thing you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But it turns out doing a couple weeks of meds and a couple weeks of therapy doesn't automatically fix everything. And so even with those solutions, they are an inherent um, What's the word for medicine that cures? Panacea. Yes, it's a non-inherent yeah. panacea um, of uh, of our lives. Right. Well, I think the other thing that a lot of us are tempted to do, and especially as I look at colonial work, is there is a problem. So let me think about it for a long time mm -hmm. and write about it and argue something about what I can do to be better. Yeah. Right? And then it's a really great argument, and I've rationally thought through why this is a problem and what I can do to change it, right? I even think about, um, you know, Adam's thinking about knowledge and oppression. Like, here's a problem. The solution is let me make sure I understand it fully, rationally, get it down, you know, and get it out so that people can look at it. But maybe there is something that you're right. It isn't quite, it's emotion yeah. that misses parts. Yes. Cause things can't always be rationalized away. When I feel emotion based on events that are happening around me or events that are happening to me, I can't just think about it enough or try to compartmentalize it enough by ignoring it to make those feelings no longer be real. Mm. Which is hard because I think often, right, that, that attempt to separate what I know rationally 
and what is happening academically, for instance, mm-hmm. versus it does affect an aspect of my emotional side, emotional life. This yes. is something that's happening. And, and it's interesting to think about when we talked about the Puritans uh, last time mm-hmm. and sort of the idea that all the parts must be in harmony, right? And, and a clear telos there like that, that is based on something outside is really helpful then to think about balance and what I can rationally understand, but the parts that are maybe irrationally or subconsciously affecting me anyway, and what I can do with that from an outside perspective. Yeah, and it's interesting that when we think about emotions with that, it, it is that outside of the rational. And there's also an assumption that emotions are bad, emotions are not useful in academics. Um, and similar to what we talked about before with the Puritans, like you said, it's as, it's as if we're asking you to leave something at the door, mm. but you can't because you're human and it's a inherent part of you and one that is glorious and mm-hmm. wonderful to be able to have and feel. And so when we expect you to be able to, when sorry, when one expects you to be able to focus on a concept but have no emotions toward it, um, that does a disservice to what, like what I mentioned earlier, you're being made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. God is an emotional being. He had anger, right? Jesus wept. And so by discounting those emotions as irrational and using that in a negative way, you're denying an inherent part of your humanity. And as well as God's omniscience, right? And that, yes. that, that there are both parts in there. So I think this is an interesting thing where, where maybe we can get a little bit real about what it's like to teach yeah. as emotional beings, but who focus then on knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, you know, kind of in a colonial sense, we have a lot of knowledge and we think that we and our students are very capable of rational thought and pursuing that and the choices that we do make based in our knowledge. And, and as knowledge goes up, corruption goes down, right? Education is a privilege as we see in the colonials. But as teachers, I think sometimes it is hard for us as well then um, to sort of balance out all those elements that do make us human and teacher and whole and and student relationship in that sense as well. Yeah. Teachers and students form an interesting relationship in which you're not you're not friends right you don't hang out you don't like necessarily talk about like what you did Mm -hmm. over the weekend what your life what's going on in your life but you have this this constant seeing each other and so an emotional bond is formed just as an emotional bond bond at least for me is formed between myself and an author of something i'm reading and so while i'm reading you know benjamin franklin and i and i look at it and say oh this does make sense rationally but then all of, an, all of a sudden, near the end of the section we read, I see, oh, he, he recognizes that he couldn't continue doing it and recognizes that the importance is the attempt more than the specific outcome. I empathize with him and I have those emotions, but then emotions also go deeper where I bring in what I have going on to what I read. And so when I'm reading these colonials, I, I think about this idea of freedom versus oppression. And I think about like how I'm affected by that. And I recognize that being who I am, there is a, uh, there's less oppression going on than maybe a lot of other people have. Um, but I think about those, those aspects because it affects my life too. And by accessing your emotions and by empathizing with those who are writing, that's not a detriment as somebody who without, without critical thought might think the colonials would say. But instead, that's a benefit to you to better fully understand what's being written. 
One thing I admire, you reminded me that I really admire about the colonials is this understanding that we we are capable of of continuing to move, mm-hmm. right, and progress, and that that this capacity for knowledge, which also you know comes off of Edwards and sort of this, yes. his is based in God's freedom that he is, that he that we are capable then of that same sort of infinite knowledge and whatever that I think we see in colonials. I mean, it reminds me of something, and you, I think you and I may have talked about this, and some of my students have heard me talk about this as well. That there is in the reassurances uh, that are given throughout the Bible of you know, do not worry, do not be anxious. These reassurances. When I was looking at some of the language in there, it, mm-hmm. it really reminds me of the colonials because when you get back into some of those root words. Um, and even in English, but but especially in you know whichever language I happen to be looking at for that verse, this idea of do not be ambushed, which mm-hmm. is this idea, right, that if you're going along a path, you are unable to move forward, right? Yes. And then sometimes I think when you're both too rational or too emotional, that's what stops you from moving forward, right? That yes. wholeness of I need to understand a situation with the knowledge and, and that that colonial anthropology, that we have this capacity for knowledge and that we are very capable and that we can then move forward in the emotional and the rational as we go forward, right? Do not be ambushed. Do not just stop yes. in whatever progress or journey, right? Which even as we uh, left Benjamin Franklin and sort of his conclusions about like, and mm, couldn't do any of it after all, JK yeah. was kind of fun, whatever, right? <laughs> like uh, there is still something about that, that pursuit of excellence really right that is rational um but then it does also remind me like sometimes when you are ambushed right you can't keep moving on your own which is i think what maybe franklin falls into a little bit yeah that that concept of not being able to move on your own ties back to what we sort of started with in our being a part of community and that is something that you listener have in your personal life as well as within the classroom you're not expected to be able to figure things out or work through things on your own because those ambushes can be extremely difficult they can be overwhelming whether it's from the rational or it's from the emotional or a combo of both and so the the necessary thing is to be able to recognize those times when the moving forward has come to a full stop and the only way to get out of that inertia of stop into an inertia of movement is by asking for help from others. I just realized a fun colonial link right here. Okay. That's how the Americans won the Revolutionary War. They kept ambushing the British, right? Because they didn't know the terrain. It 100% is. This is so good. Right? Look at That's this That's fantastic. I love it. Colonials. Colonials. <laughs> they, they like to tie all those things in together. Right? We are rational beings who are really good at these things. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing to remember is that, and this goes back to what we were talking about with the Puritans being actual humans writing things about their yes. personal life. The colonials were reacting to actual things that were happening yeah. for them. Their ideas stemmed from a particular moment history of the enlightenment going over the globe but also their specific uh uh post declaration of independence attempting to free themselves from british oppression of any sort and so with that it's it's good wow my whole brain feels like it fell out of my head but with that it's good to contemplate how the things going on and what we're reading is applicable to you Mm -hmm. and what is not applicable to you sort of what we warned with the puritans last time um, but again, with that, sometimes it's hard to find those things that are applicable to you or not and going to others for help can be a benefit there as well. Right. And working through it, it just reminds me of what, you know, what we really start with, with the declaration as we do colonialism, like that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created. And then is that, that inherent freedom mm-hmm. that has been granted, right? That we don't want to give up 
And that yeah. is what drives us to continue moving forward, to find those people to help us process through both the rational and the things that we find irrational that some of us try to ignore, right? Yeah. That we, if I schedule it in, if I just write through it, it's, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. But then finding those elements to, to maintain that freedom that yeah. inherently, right, we have been granted and that we can find, um, which is interesting because it is outside of ourselves, that ultimate freedom in Christ. Yeah. And that that idea of it being outside of ourselves for me is a solace because as much as I try to write things down or reason through them or work through them on my own, that recognition of this isn't something inherent to my personality. This isn't something inherent to my ability to think this is something inherent to my being a human. I am given these rights and keeping that in mind and keeping in mind that those around you who may have worked through these same issues also have those same rights. And that can breed the type of kindness that Franklin was even working toward, yeah. right? Those virtues of, um, of his that he listed ultimately are to be a better citizen. Mm -hmm. That's why he talked about initially at the beginning how going to the church where he wasn't figuring out how to be better was a disillusionment to him right because his goal was to benefit those around him ultimately be in harmony don't be rude stop just saying why they're dumb right off the bat yes <laughs> yeah because we often see freedom as this individual thing right that you have a personal freedom to xyz but recognizing that all humans have it, recognizing that we're part of that community, recognizing that the ultimate goal is is to be kind and to demonstrate love takes the colonials out of this impossible rationalization that we could never truly achieve, makes them human, but also recognizes that we are human. And by banding together, those ambushes can be overcome. That we yeah. hold these truths, right? Exactly. Together. Which I think is the nuance that I'm hoping people see here. Yeah. That it's not just about the mind and the knowledge as, as much as it is, but mm -hmm. it is the we and the community aspect that we see as well in what they do. Yeah. And with that, it's, it's then good to advocate for yourself. If there is something that you are not able to rationalize through, the self-advocation is where you're able to gain that exactly. benefit. And yeah. don't forget the rational as you think through the parts of you that are feeling out of control as well. It's yes. really helpful. I know for me, a, a big a big idea is that is finding like the the a big idea for me when working with depression or anxiety is finding the correct coping mechanism for that thing because you need to find a coping mechanism but the rational does have to come in in order to find those correct ones right and i think as we sort of wrap up this moment right now this is what we are hoping to do mm -hmm. as we as teachers, yes. right? That we have walked through so many rational, academic, ideological identifications uh, that now we're hoping to bring some of the whole human parts and to, to bring together what I think um, ultimately becomes part of the colonial ideology or is the main tenet of ideology in the colonial era, right? That yeah. we have this inherent freedom, but we are together in that. Um, and so, so with em empathy and our rational minds, yeah. So well, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty powerful combination of what we can do. Well, and that leads to Adams wanting everyone to have an education yep. because through the passing on of that knowledge and experience, like you're talking about as teachers, we're able to aid our students in eventually being able to find that balance right. of the rational and the quote irrational. Right. And I guess that's why we're here together. 
That is why we're here together. It's been fun. It has been fun. And I like that. I like that we aspect of it. Doing right. this on my own would not be one fun. No. Or two very good at all. I have another small thing to wrap this up. Go for it. When we had an idea, a rational thought, and we had a problem that we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. First, we came together, and then we went to our friend, Mr. John Park, who's yes. sitting here silently in this room, actually supporting everything that we do because we could not do it alone. Nope. We had an idea, but we needed someone else to be part of what we're doing. 100%. Shout out to John. Couldn't do it without you, Mr. Park. <laughs> All right. Thank you for sitting through another episode of today. Any final words from you? Um, I think that it's good to make sure you get enough food every day so mm-hmm. that you're able to power your brain and body. This doesn't have a lot to do with what we're talking about, but it's something I've been thinking about recently. It's very important. Your brain and your body and your heart need rest and food. So go eat something, go drink some water, don't be dehydrated. Take care of yourself. Yeah. It's been another episode. Supplemental.